Annie Leibowitz teaches (laughs) chapter 11. (laughs) Life after chapter 11. just reading this article that one of my group chats sent uh, around the other day i thought it was from this year but turns out it's from 2018 it's called welcome to the age of the twink (laughs) do you remember that it sounds familiar but (laughs) i'm gonna i message you the link okay um so it opens by saying there's a scene and call me by your name that i can't get out of my head it sounds like a uh (laughs) penthouse letter (laughs) oh my god (laughs) reader's letter uh no not that one it happens near the beginning of luca um Magna. God, I can't pronounce his <laughs> can't pronounce his Guadagnino's Gay Odyssey when Army Hammer's character Olivier, sweaty from volleyball, pauses to steal a drink from Elio, played by Timothy Chalamet. Sensing Elio's nervousness, Olivier begins to massage his shoulder. This is memorable not because we're watching two straight actors perform a pas de deux of muted gay desire, but rather because of their difference in size. Hammer, 31, is six foot five with broad shoulders and body hair. Hot. Chalamet, <laughs> Chalamet, 22, is five inches shorter, naturally smooth, with a pronounced clavicle and a concave <laughs> torso. <laughs> okay, okay, Brendan <laughs> Fernandez. <laughs> By gay male standards, he's the ultimate twink. Um, can I just say that Army Hammer? So you haven't you haven't even seen Call Me by Your Name, is that correct? I haven't, but I'm familiar with the actors. Okay. Um, Army Hammer, uh, worst Jewish typecast <laughs> in movies history. Like he's he's he plays a Jewish character in the movie, and it could not be any more off because he's not um, a Jew maybe he is a jew i don't know but he just absolutely does not look like a jew i don't he think he is like, i think he's uh isn't he, he looks from like a oil family the hammers is he yeah aren't they like a oh right like the the museum yeah really yeah he's a scion oh, wait i gotta yeah, look he, it he's up. a rich six foot five scion oh my god he's oh even no vaguely he, jewish there's like a. he's younger than us He's, yeah, a year younger. I can't believe it. Um, those blue eyes, they read Ukrainian Jew. Really? Yeah. It says he's half Jewish. Okay. Um, I guess that's not the hammer part. That's not the hammer part. Anyways, I've seen that movie a couple of times, even three times, I would say. The first time I went to see it at the Paris in uh, Midtown, and I think it was the very last movie that they were screening before they it closed down essentially mm. that's like way before covid when it like went out of business and then i guess netflix either bought the place or like leased it long term and oh then God. uh and then was uh showing married life there no sorry married story the noah oh Bumbach. yeah <laughs> God. have you seen that no but i remember when that was a big uh story that movie. yeah I think I was like sick in bed one day a year and a half ago or something and I had nothing to do. So I watched it on Netflix and I 
like I haven't seen a single Noah Baumbach movie before that, and I like for a reason. I th- I thought like I was pretty certain it was going to drive me crazy that I wouldn't stand it. Um, and it's a pretty annoying movie, except for there's a really fun like uh, Stephen Zondheim Company reference there, where uh, what's his face from Girls, Adam uh, Driver. Adam what? Driver, yeah. Sorry, I'm like... I'm like <laughs> Which was a New York Times clock. crossword uh, puzzle clue really? this week. <laughs> yeah. what, what was the hint? It was Served like... in the Marines? No, it was like this Hollywood driver or something. And I just uh-huh. kept thinking of like an Uber or Lyft driver like making their way <laughs> around WeHo or something. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, it's Adam. Like it, it was one of the last things I got only because there was like one letter filled in. <laughs> right <laughs> i i suck at those crossword puzzles i truly i take my hat off uh, uh to you in admiration oh, that you're able you. to complete them well i only completed i completed the monday one which is the easiest one according to friend of the pod trudy benson uh she's an avid crossword puzzler uh according to her instagram stories that's how i got into them because i i would see that she would post screenshots and I started with the mini, which like is so easy. I did in 36 seconds yesterday. I think I, I once like struggled for a whole hour and a half before I just gave up on one of those minis. Oh, the the minis are fine. It's the regular ones that are like so hard. It's, it's just so convoluted. And it's like a language that I doesn't even register. Like I can't even yeah. decipher it. No, exactly. Like it'll it'll the clue will say like minus. And then it's four letters and you assume plus or something. And it's not that. Right. And then it's like, okay, what else could it be? Um, uh-huh. But then the, the Monday crossword puzzle, which is apparently the easiest of the week. Uh, it has like such low bar questions. It's like blank Aviv city in Israel. <laughs> and it's like, okay, <laughs> how could you not get that one? But then the other days of the week, the clues are so convoluted and difficult. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, it's, it's like I feel like the answers are pretty straightforward. It's just like figuring the answers out by way of the really convoluted hints is yeah. just the it's a challenge for me. It's it's odd logic. Like there's yeah. no rhyme or reason. It's not like obscure answers. It's yeah. just uh, opaque hints. Like I'm good at celebrity who wants to be a millionaire. <laughs> I mean, we we watch Jeopardy religiously Love every Jeopardy. night, and we get like I want to say our range is between like thirty to sixty percent. Yeah, we get the uh, answers right. Um, yeah, it's our fun dinner activity. I love watching it. I should watch some more. It's on Netflix. Oh yeah, yeah. It's funny because obviously there's a lag between when they last recorded it and when Alex Trebek Trebek passed away, and so we're like getting closer. Oh no! We're wa- we're wa- we're like we're sort of uh, we're like keeping up with the latest uh, airings, but like it's not clear to us at one point the like the slide will come on, you know, oh, passed God. away. Um. Anyways just going back for a second marriage story there's a sorry (laughs) i'm like slowly unraveling back towards the uh where this episode started uh there's a fun steven zondheim reference to uh the musical company where adam driver sings uh being alive 
and which got me on like an Instagram research of Stephen Sondheim. <laughs> and it turns out his like very, very young either husband or life partner, I think his so Stephen Sondheim is 90 now and his boyfriend or whatever is like our age. So uh, kudos to uh, Stephen Sondheim. Oh, work. Uh, Do you think he's a theater queen, the uh, partner? I didn't get the impression that he's a uh, theater queen. And funnily enough, like I, I haven't even watched any like, Stephen Sondheim interviews on YouTube or anything like that. But he also doesn't really strike me as the uh, flashy gay type. I yeah. feel like for him, this whole sort of lifelong endeavor was a way to like inject himself or like live vicariously through raging queens of yeah. the theater essentially because he was you know famously closeted and only came out in his 40s or something like oh. that but he seems very like straight acting anywho um going back to you got your gay twink. content now people yeah <laughs> going back to the tw- twink article also i watched uh call me by your name what an amazing movie i watched it at the, at the paris before it was shut down and then i watched it again on a flight somewhere or like flying back from somewhere and i fucking was crying mm. oh you know what i fucking watch it on a flight to berlin <laughs> on the oh, way God. to our to our uh, uh historic vacation uh, last, <laughs> last year and a half ago <laughs> what an amazing holiday we should totally do a reenactment on totally. this pod we yeah. should uh, in abbreviated form totally uh anyways i was crying and then there were sex scenes and the person oh next God. to me didn't quite catch on to the fact that i was watching call me by your name uh <laughs> it's an amazing movie and timothy chalamet is annoying the guardia kid as he is also notoriously a, a super bug chlamydia spreader oh, uh, allegedly <laughs> allegedly has been told to me by a friend of the pod who shall not be na- uh, mentioned for uh for legal reasons just trying to oh my God. Her um he seemed annoying on snl and also is he did i notice him like balding like receding hairline wait Um, and then the the kid's name in the movie is elio elio yeah and army hammer is uh olivier or Uh, oliver okay i think there's a porn star or like an OnlyFans ho that's named uh elio chalamet so now it all makes sense oh really (laughs) It's it's an erotic movie. Like I've never experienced any like erotic viewing of like a feature film, especially one that is set out to be like an erotic movie. Uh but it's it's definitely erotic. Uh I, and like some of my girlfriends told me that they like found it stimulating. <laughs> <laughs> um I just can't believe the movie wasn't canceled cuz uh it's like straight guys playing two gays. Uh, isn't Timothy Chalamet like bi like everyone else's age now? <laughs> um, no idea. Yeah. No, it's uh, an amazing movie. Okay, anyway, I'll ch- so I'll check it out. Uh, yeah, you should. You should definitely. It's a little long, but it's definitely worth it. You should watch it with your dad because there's <laughs> there's very some very important dad son conversations happening <laughs> in the movie. Uh, I will not spoil the ending to our listeners, but I'll just recommend it as sort of a, a healing sort of ritual for a frayed son-father uh, relationships out mm. there. Well, that's not me and my dad. We have a Same strong, here. healthy bond. You have such a like uh, a, 
uh, almost like a cis, like straight acting relationship. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> you're such you're such men <laughs> connecting your an pro- oven. <laughs> yeah, with your with your property brothers' totally. tasks. We and- <laughs> should we should get a reality show and like a Mikeita sponsorship. Totally. How can we get you on uh, HGTV Poland? I think it's doable. Like when I went to this ceramics uh, retreat a couple months ago, uh, one of the artists there, she was on an HGTV Poland gardening show, like one of these kind of trading spaces, garden kind of things. Uh, Or where they just like come and do it and surprise you, whatever. Mm -hmm. But uh, her neighbor is a producer uh, for a production company that's making content for HGTV right. Poland. So that's how she got on the show. So I'm like mm-hmm. one degree away from pitching something. <laughs> Just pull some strings, make it I happen. Know. It's like, expand right. And your, <laughs> expand your media. Yeah. Endeavor. I, yeah. My media footprint needs to increase. It's like the podcast yeah. is part of the Venn diagram. Then, uh, Ryobi presents the, uh, pitch checks, <laughs> uh-huh. make it happen. Mm-hmm. um and be fun if you if you need some good references i'm happy to uh i'm happy to produce some <laughs> yes a mood board a mood board um yeah oh i've still been watching a lot of uh house hunters international on youtube the last week oh yeah have you lost some brain cells in the process <laughs> it's so horrible it's amazing um yeah it's funny because uh, last week we so we got a pretty big blizzard. Actually, I think the day I, the day we recorded our last episode, um, and I immediately started feeling so cooped up that the morning after, when the snow stopped, I just sort of hit town and I went to the Whitney. And then on the way back, I decided to just like walk around in the snow, and I was looking for Aaron Burr's house, <laughs> the th- the America's third vice president, and also <laughs> the guy known for a. Killing uh, Alexander Hamilton in a duel uh, in Weehawk, uh, New Jersey. Sorry, Anyways, I didn't see he, Hamilton, so I don't know. Me neither. <laughs> and uh, even like people who I know for a fact just truly hate the genre or wouldn't like set foot in a theater to watch that musical because it's such like peak, like LaGuardia theater extravaganza <laughs> uh they watched the like the the televised special and they said they enjoyed it thoroughly oh my god so i'm sort of considering i'm also kind of like just the history buff in me wants to but i have such an aversion to lean at lin-manuel miranda that oh my god i'm gonna have to think twice about it anyway well, so i was i was walking around the village and i was looking for his house and i looked it up online just to see where, where it's located and turns out this like big artist who i've never heard of had bought the house like in 2004 <laughs> or something like that walton ford who shows with the casman gallery and i looked up images and it looks beautiful like that's a house in the village oh yeah no that's an amazing house you sent me yeah. that article and i also had never heard that name yeah i mean the work is beautiful he makes these like uh Henri rousseau like fauna landscapes that look like you know 1800s like research art essentially uh beautiful work but it's just amazing that there's so many big name artists out there in like top tier blue chip galleries that i've absolutely never heard of in my life definitely um 
so yeah my uh dream is to move to the west village to the famous block where all the where all the big names live such as uh isaac mizrahi oh. sarah jessica parker Ooh. claudia gold the Ooh. director of the jewish museum <laughs> uh allegedly that's how the isaac mizrahi show at the jewish museum came about well that's how Just his by, show at yeah. julie saul gallery came came up as well he curated a show there i believe years ago because they're also was neighbors it a, <laughs> is it a neighborly gesture i think so <laughs> i'm uh he seems like the type who would be uh pushy to try to get a show <laughs> How pushy! Just like stepped out on his stoop and started a conversation with Basically, his next door neighbor. Just like as they're walking the dog, he's just shouting from the stoop. Yeah, with a concept. He's um, a Jew. I can uh, I can get behind. I love him. You need, have you seen the documentary? I haven't, and I was fucking oh working my in the museum. God. The, yeah, no, it's so good. It's an Tell amazing fashion documentary. It's not annoying. He's uh, such an amazing persona. Like, he's someone you would love to be friends with. And... Is he sassy? He's, like, sassy, but not in, like, some annoying, you know, gay bitch way. He's not a grating gay? He's not grating. And he's someone that you can tell he just has, like, a, you know, a passion for what he does and for arts and culture and kind of this whole world around him. And Sandra Bernhard is in it a lot. They're best friends. My Jewess. Uh, yeah. She sings a key song throughout the film. Really? What yeah. song? Uh, you make me feel mighty real. Sorry, we're going <laughs> to post process that. You should just auto tune it. We're going to auto tune, add some reverb. <laughs> <laughs> um, but do you remember on our favorite show, Gallery Girls, um, Carrie moved to the West Village? God, I have to look it up. She was that girl that worked as like a VIP concierge. And her mom was moving her into like her dream. Is that the apartment. brunette? Uh, yeah, like the a. Ma- the like Marnie? A- uh no not like uptight or anything but like uh the most normal scene of the girls not uh, that that's a tall <laughs> order i'm looking up their pictures yeah, like okay. not, so maggie was depressing maggie was the, the lost olson twin is that the one maggie was the one that lived in murray hill and it was always just like this like oh yeah you're you're literally describing all of them right now (laughs) okay and then amy was the one that constantly had a blowout and looked like miss piggy they literally all had a blowout. (laughs) (laughs) and angela fam was the aspiring photographer who's like a bfa you know event photographer Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking about Chantal. Sorry, I oh, just no. pulled up the, no, the Chantal, Gallery Girls yeah, cast. Chantal is the Olsen, lost Olsen triplet. Um, yeah. And there's Claudia, who, friend of the pod, Saskia and I saw at end of century in person and freaked out. Uh-huh. Um, Carrie, who, like I said, the most sane one. And then Liz Margulies, the uh, daughter of that famous Miami billionaire collector, who we saw at NADA last year do you remember liz walked by i would did we see her i saw her i thought we were standing together but she walked past like at the opening and i had a 
a little heart murmur when she walked by. <laughs> oh my god, you should get that checked. <laughs> uh, honestly, my spirit animal is a- Amy. I think <laughs> Amy's amazing because she was always like such a go-getter and so pushy, but she's nothing like ever a, went her way. <laughs> she's like a Lori Lori Grenier. Yeah, type. <laughs> okay, so like we're p- petite, huge blowout. <laughs> Uh, looks like an Upper West Side busybody Jewish mom. Yeah. Emphasis on the mom. She was like 22 or something and already oh, yeah. looked like an Upper East Side mom. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we're going to do a three-part episode in 2021 <laughs> on this show. Uh, we should honestly devote a uh, episode per character. Oh, definitely. I mean... We should do... What's... Yeah. What's Angela's up to these days? Sorry, I'm pulling up her Instagram account. Uh, she's probably living in like Santa Fe. <laughs> nope, still an NYC-based photographer. Interesting. She's the co-founder of Deitch Fam. Oh, you know what? I saw that. I checked a few months ago. I looked them all up on Instagram. I think any connection to Jeffrey Deitch is uh, purely <laughs> coincidental. Um. Okay. Yeah. No, that shows iconic. It needs to return. I'm into her, Angela. Yeah, yeah she was I actually fun. liked all of them. They were all well-meaning, trying to uh, you know get something started at a very yeah. young age, trying to colonize uh, Bushwick, like us, makes like in, us, min- like us minus the Bushwick in 2012. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I hope he doesn't lo- listen to the pod. But my friend, who I shall not name, just not exposed. I dropped off something at his place and like deep ass bushwick a couple of weeks ago uh and i drove there and i was driving and driving and driving and driving and i was like driving for 35 minutes and i was still not there and you just ask yourself am i in the fucking same city and it just (laughs) feels so aggressively landlocked um i feel for him Uh, well speaking of reality tv uh according to our friends at artnet news calling all london artists a new reality tv series about the artists or sorry about the city's art scene is looking for contestants uh and you must be between ages 17 and 30 the show is called the next big thing and it aims to boost the profiles of emerging artists while their standard vehicles for visibility degree shows open days and gallery exhibitions are out of the question oh my god would you go on a show like this I mean, my my British accent is so bad that I couldn't even <laughs> fake it. I could fake a somewhat good South African or Australian accent, but just like a few words that I can do. But yeah. that's as that's as good as it gets for me. I'm good at an Australian accent, I believe, uh, after watching a lot of Tabitha's Salon Takeover and Tabitha Takes Over, <laughs> uh, when she's she says, "All right, oh, I've seen enough. Give me your keys." <laughs> And then she she's always uh, she, this is your business when she's exasperated with that. This is your business. I love it. Uh, it sounds very hybrid. Um, I honestly I don't know if I'm waiting for that so eagerly. So let's let's uh, let's bookmark this for a future follow up. Yeah, we should do a. A live viewing thing or reaction yeah. videos on YouTube. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, by the way, on Gallery Girls, one of them worked for that like Chinese contemporary gallery. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh Eli Eli Klein. Eli Klein's or yeah. something like that. Nothing like a Jew peddling <laughs> contemporary <laughs> Chinese art. <laughs> he was ahead of his time. He knew where the market was going. So maybe it's the genocidal <laughs> connection between the Holocaust and the Wigger oh uh, concentration. And that's camps. not Wigger, W I G G E R. Yeah, it took me five <laughs> attempts to spell it correctly. Even in Google yesterday, <laughs> it wouldn't even autocorrect it. Oh my God. Yeah, I remember passing by his gallery in New York. Again heart skipped a beat i was like oh my god that's where it happened on the show and yeah. then um he had some drama in the news this year which i don't remember uh and rep- our reply guys please don't drag us uh <laughs> for not remembering and he was a thought a couple of years ago he like got jacked up and bulked up really according to his instagram yeah he was thoughtish I mean, I only mention it because a friend of mine, an artist, used to rent his the gallery's basement space and had his <laughs> artist studio down there. And it was a pretty like it's pretty vast space, sprawling. Um, so whenever I would go visit him, I would have to go through the gallery and go down to the basement. It was a funny experience. Do I know this artist? Uh, I think you do. Mm-hmm. I'll uh, I'll tell you who it is after the recording ends. Okay. Anywho, um, <clears throat> yeah, we should definitely do a Gallery Girls, Where Are They Now, 2021 edition. Totally. And I have a really great special guest for that. Oh, yeah? We just need to get her a mic. Okay. She's a Gallery Girls stan. Ooh. And an expert. She has a lot of background info. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, in other news, uh, according to our friends at Artnet news again, our Bible and uh, and <laughs> our, our Quran our, and and according to our Torah, the Daily Mail, a study in the Journal of Business Research finds that consumers are more likely to trust a salesman with a beard than a clean-shaven employee. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> Where are you reading this? <laughs> I told you, our Bible and our Torah. A mustachioed worker or someone with a five o'clock shadow using data gathered from Facebook ad manager. <laughs> my god this sounds scientific is that from some wechat facial recognition (laughs) database Uh, so using data gathered from facebook ad manager researchers found that facial hair on male sales workers increased perceptions of expertise and trustworthiness which increased the likelihood of a sale uh shout out to joe sheftel I mean, honestly, I think they they might have just posed the wrong question because, like, when when I imagine a a clean shaven or like a baby seal <clears throat> of a art dealer versus a you know a mustachioed one or a bearded one, like I just don't trust the I don't trust the baby seal because I just assume they're like some kind of a uh, like a some sleazy. Yeah, like type or something like that. I don't know that it's necessarily the hair that makes it more reliable. It's just that the the smooth kind makes it a uh, makes me think of the more sort of uh, 
I don't know. The, yeah, like, like a slick Tsfaniak, uh, as you say in Polish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a snake oil salesman. Yeah, exactly. Something like, like someone in a shiny suit with hair, you know, perfectly combed back, clean shaven. It's a bit shady. Mm-hmm. We should also maybe do like a decade in review of uh, fashion in the art dealing oh circles. Uh, some shapeless sacks on all genders. Yeah, the like the Wes Anderson type oh with the, like the the uh, the like loose navy suit with uh, tennis shoes. Yeah, the Stan Smith Adidas shoes with the mm-hmm. suit. It's always that look. Yeah, a Chelsea boot, your favorite. Yeah. Um, was invented in Israel. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's bl- Bluntstone. Is that what it's called? Bluntstone, it's an Australian yeah. brand. But like every single person in Israel wears them. And Tivas, according to you. <laughs> Tivas, true. Yeah, I still have. I still have my Tivas from when I was 16, rocking on. <laughs> I uh, I always wore like those Nike athletic sandals. Uh-huh. We were one of those families. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Uh oh, uh, statement necklaces like chunky, ugly jewelry, mm-hmm. like something that looks like it came from your child's art class. Yeah, on a piece of twine. Um, things cut on the bias. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Eddie Slimman, uh, Slim Jim uh ambiguous gay look mm-hmm. um i mean sh- shout out to david my dealer who throughout the five days or four days of nada would like oscillate back and forth between the various birdcage looks <laughs> <laughs> he did look very sexy you heard me david <laughs> i still have some uh surprise collectible plates for you at home david <laughs> oh my god what a good movie (laughs) it's so good uh i want to go back to miami me too um (sighs) yeah maybe we can uh yeah what's uh you have any fun christmas plans i forgot to ask you uh okay so as i mentioned i connected my oven and stove yesterday finally I'm like a caveman that's discovered fire. Um, so we're going to make some stuff tomorrow, but not not the usual usual pitch check family extravaganza because everyone's just exhausted because uh, we've all been working around the house and stuff. And I've been doing studio work and housework. Uh, so I'm just, I've had it. Uh, but we're going to make frozen pierogies. <laughs> because <laughs> mm-hmm. nobody wants to take the hours it'll take tomorrow to do it uh we're gonna bake some cakes i'm making a nigella lawson recipe for the first time do uh, you have to suffocate the dough <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> <You're horrible. laughs> oh my god um it's like guinness cake it's like a like cho- with the beer yeah it's a, it's a chocolate cake that has uh wait Guinness beer in it. <laughs> and Do you pop one open now? Is that what just happened? Well, actually, so my parents went grocery shopping and I, I said, please get the following. I'm going to make this cake. It looks amazing. 
dad, you have to get Guinness, a can of Guinness. Please go to Kaufland. I know they have Guinness there. Mm-hmm. And then my parents come back from the store and it's like, they didn't have Guinness. So we got you this. And it's like a Utinger Radler Shandy. Oh my God. Original German beer. Oh my God. Beer and lemonade. I'm like, Jesus. How is this anything <laughs> close? You're, do you remember I I used to live behind the Kaufland and at some point someone got stabbed at the meat counter? Uh, they were beheaded. <laughs> they were not stabbed. What? There was an entire beheading. Yes, it was like somebody. Are you sure, yes. that sounds so extreme. No, it wasn't like oh they were just stabbed because it was uh you know some family altercation. It was like someone was hacked to death and people were uh, horrified. That's crazy. See, Kaufland killing Berlin. There must have been numerous incidents over the past 30 <laughs> oh years. God. And it was at the fl- the Fleischtecke. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the meat counter. The counter. Yeah. <clears throat> God. Kaufland murder. <laughs> God, I'm so scared I'm on a watch list now because I keep Googling how to get away with murder. <laughs> <laughs> So now I'm just like, how to get away with murder fan wiki TV show. <laughs> Getting some inspo for uh, from famous uh, stabbings at big grocery stores. Oh my God. Um, you know what's insane? They've like scrubbed it from the internet. If you Google Kaufland murder Berlin, mm-hmm. it's just like. Kaufland, the German retail descri- retailer described as Aldi on steroids. Oh my god! <sighs> yeah, I'm googling it too. I can't find it. No, there's any, no uh, like I'll Google it. it in German later, but I feel yeah. like they've scrubbed it. So you're not doing any, like uh, midnight service or mass or something <laughs> like that. No. Uh, let's see. When I was a kid, when we moved to Canada, we would go to church regularly. Then that tapered off to just like Christmas and Easter. Then that tapered off to never going. And yeah, no, we never went to midnight mass. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think no one had time for that. <laughs> yeah. we, we would go on Christmas morning, but also we would do uh, our presents on Christmas Eve. That was mm-hmm. like our big thing. So the Yeah. As the, as the Germans call it. So we christmas day was yeah you would like wake up have breakfast go to church and then later we would just have like a a brunch so Mm -hmm. that's kind of still our style minus the church aspect um yeah so yeah there's not gonna be a crazy amount of baking my parents are gonna make a poppy seed cake Mm -hmm. so that'll be nice it's uh like a crumbly base and top and then just like a very thick poppy seed layer yeah uh so that'll be nice and when i when i lived in berlin i was adopted by i wasn't adopted by them i was babysitting for them but on the holidays on the christian holidays they would uh take me in and show me the ropes of uh, (laughs) traditional german (laughs) celebrations and they they lived in Wilmersdorf in a beautiful like fifth floor apartment that was the entire floor oh amazing and uh they would take me to uh so they would have like a fancy christmas dinner at their place with like uh ridiculous guests every year and (laughs) then we would all walk over to the nearest church i forget if they were protestants or catholic i'm assuming protestants because that's a german thing 
depending on the German region. Berliners are mostly Protestant, though, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyways, they took me to, like, a uh, Christmas uh, mass at midnight with the frankincense and everything. That was lovely. I do enjoy the smell. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, they also introduced me to Wolfgang Jupp, but uh, and I, ha- <laughs> I have promised to tell you that salacious story of me and Wolfgang Jupp at Kit Kat Club. Uh, <laughs> also, we went to that fucking club at the... Like around the Jewish Memorial, the Adlon Hotel. Oh my God! Yeah, there's like a trashy there was like club a there. Big yeah, club like nightclub. Yeah, in that uh, on that block or something like that. Like a ritzy, fancy nightclub. Yeah. Anytime there's a celebrity in the city, like a Katy For Perry like type, there club be, goers that yeah. were not the not the bearded kind, yeah. the snake like, oil salesman, the kind that wear type. suits to the club, like people that go to the Boom Boom Room. Uh, I think eight years ago, I went to a Christmas concert on Christmas Eve at that church uh, that's next to Hotel de Rome in Berlin. Ooh, I like that area. Yeah. Like Bubble, Bibbleplatz. Yeah, unfortunately, where the book burning happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's that church. It's uh, like a cylindrical church. Mm-hmm. And there's a really beautiful Christmas concert there. That was my... Is that is that the ruins of the church? Because that's also around there. It's not the ruins. Uh, it's like a fully intact church, but it's it's round with a dome on top, and it's right mm-hmm. next to that plots. And that was really nice, especially I think the acoustic uh, acoustics were enhanced in that kind of mm-hmm. uh, space. So it was really well, sweet. Maybe, uh, maybe for Christmas this year, our listeners could uh, gift us the gift of a two for one masterclass membership, so we could. Uh, <laughs> So we can view and take inspiration from one or uh, one of the greatest artists of our generation, Jeff Koons, who just recently joined the roster of Masterclass. Yeah, he's joined uh, illustrious masters uh, such as Christina Aaron Aguilera, Sorkin, <laughs> Christina Aguilera, Aaron Sorkin, still watching The West Wing here. Um, design Maven Kelly Worstler. Who's that? Uh, she has an iconoclastic eye in the world of interior design. Uh-huh. Uh you Ron would... Howard, Ron <laughs> Howard, who I see was forced to take off his cap for the <laughs> portrait <laughs> image. Um, who else is on there? Helen Mirren, not Dame Helen Mirren. Shame on you, Masterclass. Oh, Rue Paul Charles, who told us that we should wear a suit. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, I was on the Uniqlo site last night, and there's a really nice jacket that's been cleared down to 39 euro. Do you think I should get it? Yeah, I should get it. Should I start wearing a suit in 2021? <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, you got to dress the part. What's the, how's the say, what's the saying? Uh, dress the for the job you want, not the one yeah. you have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I want to look uh, like I can afford a $40 suit. Uh, yeah, like a, a Primark suit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like a, oh, I remember at Real. Remember Real? Real, yeah. Yeah, it's like Kaufland. They had suits there for like twenty nine ninety five. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like a two-piece suit. <laughs> okay, Isaac Perlman is on Masterclass and he teaches violin. Like, how are you supposed to 
Oh my god! How is that a like a violin learning opportunity? Is there a Kenny G um, soprano saxophone class? <laughs> no, but there's a Carlos Santana one. <laughs> Dan Brown teaches writing thrillers. Oh my god! Oh my god! Tom Morello teaches electric guitar. You know who Tom yeah, Morello yeah. is? Yeah. Like how that is such a sellout. Oh I'm sorry. my god! We're doing this one. Nancy Cartwright teaches voice acting. Oh my god! I feel like that would really <laughs> enhance the podcast. You can do that while I while I do the Judy Bloom writing lessons. Salman Rushdie teaches how to get a fatwa. <laughs> <laughs> no, how to extract most sex out of a fatwa. <laughs> oh my god! Ooh, Reba McIntyre. Does she show clips from her failed nineties sitcom? Do you, rem- do you remember yeah, Reba, that? Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Ooh, Ooh Timba- Timbaland. You think he recounts some uh, some hard candy stories some, from the recording some, sessions? Some hard beats from hard candy. <laughs> Ooh, Yotam Otolenghi teaches modern Ooh. Middle Eastern cooking. I want to see that one. I love his recipes. I would do that. Yeah. Do you have the cookbooks? Any of them? Uh, I would like periodically buy them as gifts for other people. It's just I'm I'm not a cook. It's so convoluted okay. for me just to attempt to do those things. Even okay, because uh, how about uh, yeah? No, no, go ahead. Annie Leibowitz teaches <laughs> ch- Chapter Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Life after Chapter Eleven. Life after losing your archive. <laughs> she lost her archive. <laughs> I think after the chapter 11, it was like she sold the rights to all her back catalog of images to clean up that mess. Uh, what, including the, like, including the like babies and planters with sunflowers. <laughs> That's Ann Gettys, come on. <laughs> really? Yeah. No, I thought that was an Annie Leibowitz like cop out, sell out uh, moment. Maybe she Wasn't did at there? some point but okay. no but her work definitely did go downhill like this um kind of hyper produced you know artificially lit and i mean kind of in a digital sense mm-hmm. overly photoshopped there's also really bad composition in a lot of the works now she slipped yeah it it kind of looks like uh madonna's ghost town video exactly that's where it turned at some point Whereas uh, she, she was, did, she did photograph the queen, I will say, yeah. and that's that's a beautiful portrait. But that Obama, remember the was it Michelle and Barack or was it the family? Uh, I'm gonna have I'm to looking look it up. up. I'm looking it up. Oh yeah, it's a really tasteless. I mean, there there's a really like sexy yeah. Vogue portrait of uh, Michelle Obama. Yes, with the column. Um, but the family portrait in the white house is a terrible photo like the composition there's just like objects coming out of their heads yeah uh yeah it just also can i just say about the obamas it took them about three to four years to like start looking somewhat fashionable like michelle obama looked a little momsy in the first couple of years and she was like what in her early 40s yeah, they were pretty it took, young. It took her like a minute to catch up with like how to look fashionable and trendy. 
Well, I think it was probably because uh, there was such an emphasis on wearing American designers and most of them suck. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was such a relic from like the 90s uh, DC aesthetics, yeah. essentially. It's like, here's a J. Crew dress. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, Bobby Brown teaches makeup and beauty. That could be fun. She's an icon. <laughs> uh, Disney former CEO Bob Iger teaches business strategy and leadership. Is that after what's her name fired him? The <laughs> the Disney woke heiress. <laughs> oh, the woman who invented Spanx teaches self-made entrepreneurship. Wasn't she on Shark Tank? Yes, she was. She blonde. Yeah, yeah Sarah I like her. Yeah. Penn and Teller. <laughs> That's me and Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're uh which one's the silent one again? Penn? Teller? Teller? I don't know. The tiny one? Yeah. I'm a tiny one. He looks he looks like a anti-Semitic caricature. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, so um if anyone wants to gift us some memberships so we can fully review the Jeff Koons masterclass, please do so. Uh it is the holiday time of giving right now, so we're ready to yes. receive. Some of the lessons include uh, turn everyday objects into art, approaching the blank canvas, personal iconography, art history, a dialogue across time, the power of color from case study, balloon dog, <laughs> texture and materials, showing your art and life as an artist. So I think we owe our listeners a quick disclaimer. We both love Jeff Koontz's work. Oh yeah. I love Jeff Koontz's work. Sorry, haters. I- yeah, I mean, I had the great pleasure of uh, seeing the retrospective at the Uptown Whitney. When was that show? 2015, I want to say. Yeah, judging. Oh, no, sorry, 2014. Wow. Oh, my God. I've lived in this city for over uh, six years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, amazing retrospective, really comprehensive, like included everything from like early career inflatable ready mades to the very famous uh, Spalding basketball um ball floating and what was that solution he floated it in is in salt water or something like it's it's uh it has to have an equilibrium and i know that there is a conservation issue with the ball losing air over time and then you have to refill it otherwise it starts sinking or something Mm -hmm. i think it's just about the amount of air that's in the ball right and i uh watched the preview on the masterclass website just to get a taste of what jeff coons has to offer and he uh off the bat just talks about the the beholders share which is a term that was coined by this uh regal dude in the 19th century that uh here let me let me read what it says um so regal discovered a new psychological aspect of art namely that art is incomplete without the perceptual and emotional involvement of the viewer not only does the viewer collaborate with the artist in transforming a two-dimensional like likenessness on a canvas into a three-dimensional depiction of the visual word the viewer interprets what he or she sees on the canvas in personal terms thereby adding meaning to the picture Regal call this phenomenon the beholder's involvement. Um, so he like goes on to talk about his like art schooling and explains the methodology behind his symbolism and his approach to iconography and stuff like that. I feel like in Jeff Koons's case, 
the work, like, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong or if you think otherwise, but I feel like the work is so, so complete and full that it kind of speaks for itself and it almost doesn't require any sort of further information given to the viewer. It's just so satisfactory on the sort of perceptive level of just viewing it and like asking no questions on top of that. What do you think? Um, let's see. Like, what are some of your impressions? What are some of the Jeff Koons works that really stuck out for you? Okay, I haven't actually seen that many in person. Mm -hmm. uh, I've seen that one in that lobby of that building at Astor Place, mm -hmm. which is, was it a balloon dog? Possibly. There's also one by the World Trade Center by the Freedom Tower. And it's on a fountain, that one? No, it's a little uh, it's a little recessed, like oh, okay. there's a depression in the street. Because I've seen I've seen a flower, mm -hmm. like a balloon flower or something. Right. A, the balloon dog. I didn't see the retrospective. Mm -hmm. Or did I? What year was the retrospective? Do you remember? Twenty fourteen. It was end of twenty fourteen. I don't know if I saw it. Um, yeah. But I love the Plato piece, which mm -hmm. I know a lot of people hate, but it, it took decades what's, to like, make. <laughs> yeah, what's to, what's to hate? Like, can you say in your own words what's so despicable about I don't know. that glorious... I think, I think people hate all the money that's tied up in it, which I totally understand. Yeah. But... I mean, you know what I hate the only more? one. I, what I hate more is when it's so fucking incommensurate, the connection between the money put into the artwork yeah. and the money that it sells for. Exactly. Like when I, when I see the insane, like we've been endlessly talking about in previous episodes, but like the crazy inflation in the auction houses and it's yeah. just such a disconnect between the actual value of the work or the investment yeah. uh, that was put into it. Like in Jeff Koontz's case, there's an actual sort of tether and relationship between the two. Well, like, how much does a balloon dog cost? I'm checking right now. Jeff Kuhn's balloon dog price. Well, I'm sure it's in the, what, like, seven digits? Well, okay, so one went at auction for $58 million, But, like, how much does it cost, you know, if you get one from the gallery? Yeah. Not that much. I mean, I'm sure it, co I'm sure it costs a, a lot, but it's also, yeah. it's also a statement purchase. It's not a. You, I'm sure people, you know, collectors buy it to uh, increase the value of uh, their entire collection. But um, yeah. I mean, it's not a. It's not a fucking uh, exploitative Matthew Wong purchase that is yeah. just gonna go collect dust somewhere in a Delaware storage yeah, uh, exactly. unit. Well, or like uh, in art news this week, they talked about the Phillips New Now sale. Where a painting by Pakistan-born New York-based artist uh, Salman Tour, Liber Lib Liberty Porcelain from 2012, sold. She's going there again, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> sold for five hundred five thousand dollars. Yeah, I mean, I'm so like, what is so egregious about Jeff Koons selling something for a million, two million, five million? Like, obviously, this is not our world, but. Also, someone with a, a production value that has proven itself over the course of what he started working in the late seventies. So that's like, uh, yeah. Don't make me make quick math now, but that's like <laughs> what six six years now, seven fifty years. Anyway, like it may seem that ideas are easy to come up with, 
and then harder to execute. But it is actually very difficult as an artist to come up with an idea, especially one where you can kind of pull out the thread from the spool and keep it going, mm-hmm. tie everything together, and then, I don't know, have it be visually appealing and then be able to produce something with that idea. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the Jeff Koons pieces, like the the polished stainless steel works, they're made by a fabricator in Germany, um, mm-hmm. which is already kind of crazy when you think about it because he, uh, Jeff Koons has a very large studio in New York. Mm-hmm. He employs tons of people. You know, they make the paintings there and other works. Um, but the technical limitations of making something out of metal are so extreme that they've had to, you know, get this German kind of metal fabricator to put their hands on it. And I think that speaks a lot to the work as well. Um, I'm just shocked that anyone in, uh, in Germany can produce something at such high quality at a reasonable amount of time. (laughs) No, I think there's a huge (laughs) backlog with, uh, his works. I remember reading something about that. Yeah. Because I mean, I will. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. I mean, I will say I'm obviously not a big fan of his entire oeuvre. There's like, uh, you know, eras and periods in his, uh, in his, uh, uh, portfolio that i'm not so crazy about like the like i'm not a big fan of the michael jackson uh chimpanzee oh, or yeah. like oh i've seen that in person in berlin i've seen yeah. that yeah at a hamburger bun like the ki- the kitsch banality series i'm not a big fan of i think jeff coons excels when just like he said when he mentioned the the uh beholders share it's the you know the sort of relationship comes to a full gelling when the viewer sort of takes on the the work of the interpreter, and I feel like with a Kitsch banality series or some other bodies of work of his, there's too much sort of spoon feeding. Yeah. Um, to the viewer, I'm also not a big fan of the Chuchulina. Yeah. Um, who, for those of you that don't know, she was his uh, then wife when they made the works. A former porn star, and then she became a member of parliament in Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I my most despised series is the Gazing Ball series. Those blue balls oh that my God. that oh my God. Lady Gaga used in her art pop visuals. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's also some uh. other atrocities in his uh, among his work. There's some paintings painting series that are just they look like uh what's his name adrian genny and they're just they're, they're uh, so yeah. over labored i feel like i don't like the these easy hulk, fun ethereum. these like hulk paintings and stuff I don't oh like yeah those. they're not they're not fun no uh there's the celebration series from like the mid 90s that included actually the uh um your favorite work the uh the play-doh, the play-doh. and also the and also, funnily enough, that's I guess when the so the the gazing ball in the in the early two thousands actually was started in his work Moon, uh, which took him five years to fabricate between nineteen ninety five and two thousand. That was like uh, what do you call those like Renaissance era mirrors that you had you'd have in a in your like parlor? Oh, they I would don't like. Know. Uh, 
Anyways, there's a name for that. I'm sure one of our. But you're not talking about the gazing sim- balls. Not the gazing oh. balls, because that that goes in your front lawn. Yeah. But there's these like uh, you know these mirrors. There's all these like uh, old masters paintings. Oh, with, like, this, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? It, like distorts the vision. Yeah. Um. So there's one that he made in 1995. That's like made out of it. It's made to look like a a balloon essentially, but it's a wall hang, and it's essentially like a sphere, a half a sphere of those gazing oh, okay. balls. Um. Very much like Anish Kapoor style. Yeah. Um, no, I love the Play-Doh because I just really connect with that. Uh, you know, just like a giant mound of Play-Doh yeah. in many colors. It's, it's just, it's youth. It reminds me of my youth and it brings me a lot of joy. And it, you also want to touch it. Yes, exactly. And I feel like the material has been scaled up in such a good way that you've gone from Play-Doh to aluminum that's painted and it actually does look like a giant mound of play-doh which again yeah. these are not easy things to accomplish even yeah. if you pay people they're not easy things to accomplish uh i've worked with fabricators a lot with metal etc people constantly say no no one wants to try new things and it's not a monetary issue of course when you have millions of dollars to spend it helps but new kind of techniques and processes are very scary for people. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I know he's one of the richest artists in North America, but he also invests a, a, a good chunk of the money from the sales back into production and to the entire operation. Yeah. I feel like it's not, it's not like a squeeze operation to just try to squeeze out the most amount of money yeah. out of the least amount of investment. Oh, I also um, love this work from the celebration series. It's like the cat hanging in a, sock on a line with mm-hmm. two flowers kind of like a hang in there kitty right that one makes me so happy yeah <laughs> uh and just to go back again for a second to saying i want to touch the art i mean to me personally like the art that i gravitate most towards whether in you know 2d or 3d format painting or what what have you is sort of in the impasto realm, something that I feel like is, you know, erupting or sort of emerging out of the surface and creates this tactile sort of call for you to like engage with it. Uh, And I feel that's something that resonates with Jeff Koons when he talks about the beholders shared, sort of claiming a stake uh, in the art by way of, you know, creating this dialogue or relationship or conversation with it like whether you want to touch it or by way of viewing it a certain way you sort of interpret it and and and, you know take essentially you know make it into your own well the guardian gave him a one-star review and called him the donald trump of art which i don't Uh, believe what i don't believe whatever whatever uh he may sound like a cult leader but it sounds like a fun cult so and it's about positivity yeah, the Guardian needs to take a chill pill. They're like basically the pitchfork for any like <laughs> pop music reviews. Cause like, let me look up all Madonna album reviews on Pitchfork, and let me tell you that they all invariably get under like five points per per album in their reviews. So fuck you, Pitchfork. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, Confessions on a Dance Floor got six point two. What? Yeah, and of course, like, the James Blakes of the world's got, like, and the Fiona Apples, like, uh, 
what is it called fetch the bull cutter it's got yeah. like a a raving 10 point review best god. album of the century god um even ray of light got well that's actually the one that got the most uh the highest scoring on pitchfork 8.1 mm-hmm. um yeah those fucking snooty reviewers like you I mean, have they suck it's such a disconnect with the like people's what the people want yeah so anyway we love jeff coons um out of that whole like str- upper stratosphere of artists he's probably one of the better ones he's not a loser like damien hurst yeah i mean i get that damien hurst has like more cachet by way of his like yba history which has been completely exhausted and exploited to the point of such like embarrassment at this point oh yeah all of them um all of them you think yeah because it's just uh the constant gears turning like tracy emin just like pumping out the same thing over and over again i love her work i know i mean <laughs> <I'm> sorry <laughs> look i love the bed but then it's like i get that the no, neons her, make money i but love like, her recent paintings uh, it's just the neons the neons are just they will not stop entering my field of vision i guess so i like her like bad british girl <laughs> well fine but it's constant no i don't scowl. have an issue with her i just but it's like angela bullock and like sorry i know friends of hers are probably listening right now but it's like these angela bullock you know totems that are just like constantly the totems I literally just had to look up her work because I didn't even realize she was the face behind those works. Yeah, just go to any art fair and it's like, there's an Angela Bullock totem. And I mean, if anything, I feel like uh, Ugo Rondinone has done a better job at, uh, you know, interpreting the totem in a fun way. Also, like with, you know, either an homage or uh, an allusion to uh, Kunzian aesthetics. I don't know if that's what underlies his uh you know what informs him but i do really like the tracy emin paintings yeah i'm uh anyways no damien hurst what was that huge like titanic size work that he did for that was sort of uh off stream to one of the biennials he like had worked on it for a decade or something like i don't know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was like a oh my god i gotta look it up now. is it his um, uterus sculptures oh my god it's just the spot paintings are so lame like anytime i see an instagram collector with damien her spot paintings really wait sorry i gotta i gotta look up this thing uh that i was talking about um not even that but even like his version of the equilibrium with a shark and the uh, oh, yeah. you know the the C section of the cows and everything that was beautiful. I think I saw that at uh, Hamburg Urbano a few years ago, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, I saw one of them somewhere. But like Hamburg the Urbano. fucking skull and the uh, but the crystal just, skull. Uh, He's oh god! And remember, he was dating Lily Allen, and then he oh wears like god. Bono glasses, and he's just <laughs> embarrassing. I'm sorry. Um, <sighs> what is it here? That's uh. Yeah, so Damien Hurst in 2017 
uh, inaugurated a vast exhibition entitled Unbelievable Shipwreck. Uh, Does that ring a bell now? Uh, Sounds familiar. Let's see. Wait. Oh, remember his spin paintings? (laughs) I tried to forget those. Um, yeah, so Damien Hurst's shipwreck fantasy sinks in oh, Venice. Oh, yeah, these are horrible. Yes, and it was a <laughs> Venice offsite thing. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. Oh. And there's even like a bust of him with like, you know, covered in barnacle and like algae Ooh. and stuff like that. That was a big flop. That was, I guess, the, the decade's biggest flop, if we have to name one. <laughs> Oh, oh look, he got he got four stars from the Guardian for that very same <laughs> exhibition. Well, they're biased, um, so <laughs> Yeah. British bad boy. Oh my god. Not. Um so the the review goes oh, on to say can't wait to get a diamond skull t shirt. <laughs> Um, so the artist has filled not one, but two museums with hundreds of objects in marble, gold, and bronze, crystal, jade, and malachite, heroes, gods, and Lev- uh, leviathans, all supposedly lost in legendary shipwreck 2,000 years ago and now raised from the Indian Ocean at Hearst's personal expense. It is by turns marvelous and beautiful, prodigious, comic, and monstrous. We will share those pictures through our Instagram account um it's ghastly it's just ghastly (laughs) maybe he can raise the titanic with james cameron's help oh he should yeah i feel like that's uh that's something i wouldn't mind watching (laughs) um oh god yeah so please uh listeners dear listeners send us uh 180 dollars for a (laughs) two-person annual subscription to masterclass and we promise you, you will see a return on your investments. Totally. With fewer brain farts, better articulation, more knowledge. <laughs> yeah, because I don't know if anyone's noticed, but I can barely speak English at this point. So yeah. <laughs> I've lived what's in Europe m- too long. <laughs> what's my excuse? Uh, your E-L- no, E-A-L, English as an additional language. <laughs> Because it's not necessarily your second language. And um, it's, it sounds like a participation trophy. <laughs> Here, uh, I'm, definitely, I'm definitely reenacting Gal Gadot's now famous <laughs> Vanity Fair YouTube segment. Gal Gadot teaches you Hebrew slang. Um, so expect that from me in upcoming episodes. Ah, Balagan! um israeli born hollywood star gagado has posted a nearly six minute video that will fill you in fill you in on what israelis are talking about when they say such things as what am i a goat cow cow and cabbage head (laughs) oh there was one that i remember it was like fire because it sounded like what was that yes and i said it sounds like ash and i'll remember that one yes exactly (laughs) Um, she also tackles the commonly heard "Yalla, come on, hurry up, achi, brother, and no evil eye," which she which she accompanies <laughs> with a series of superstitious hand gestures and spitting several times. Um, so maybe I'll put together a list of some uh, vernacular Hebrew slang for you uh, to hear from the original can you, goat. Can you put some uh, twink slang together for us. 
Uh, well, funny that you mentioned twinks. So now that I got my allergy, food allergy <laughs> testing results back, I am on my way to becoming a 35-year-old twink again oh, by yes. way of having cut out some crucial elements from my diet. So expect <laughs> some some crucial thinning down, par- paring down of my physique in the coming uh, few months. Amazing. Well, as my dad always says, uh, what you lost, I found. <laughs> what does that mean as in uh weight i see it's a really good saying um yeah my aunt keeps sending me really funny memes on the holidays and she once sent me a very appropriate hanukkah meme about sufganiot what's the word for that in polish ponchki ponchki yeah the meme says a minute in your mouth, a month in your hips, <laughs> and a year in your ass. <laughs> so that's my approach to dieting moving uh, forward. We're we're inching closer to to the uh, to the dietary approaches of our uh, frenemies from the uh, other pod. Oh my god! Yeah. Don't get me started. This is a healthy um, body image podcast. <laughs> we um, love actually, me for me yeah i mean i know there's room on the spectrum for everyone i will just give a shout out to the twinks out there to our li- twink listeners i welcome happily the new age of the twink that uh i hope yeah. is upon us again except i disagree with this article 2018 age of the twink why do you disagree with it mm, i don't know I don't get what their argument really is. I remember reading the story, but... Well, it says that female body types have always sort of cycled in and out of style, but with men, uh, alternatives to the ideal of imposing physicality have usually been ignored or lampooned. But as women continue to use their voices to undo that legacy of toxic masculinity, a different kind of change is taking place from within the culture. These twinks, after all, aren't just enviably lean boys... Or the latest unrealistic gay fantasy, but a new answer to the problem of what makes a man. <laughs> Nick Haramis? I just, writer, I guess. I think the, uh, like a slim silhouette being in fashion was much bigger like 10 years ago and more. You know, yeah. where, where, again, it was like the Eddie Sliman Dior aesthetic of everyone, yeah. you know, in super straight jeans and tight mm-hmm. bomber jackets and things. And also, I'm sorry, but even in like my skinniest days, I still had a big ass. So mm-hmm. I, <laughs> that's just uh, like there was nothing I could do about yeah. that because you can't lose ass weight. Sure, you can add more weight onto it, but you can't really yeah. lose the baseline sort of uh, weight. Also, uh, in the gay world, it's like every gay wants to be on steroids. So I don't know what this uh, age of the twink is all about. Even the twinks uh, are getting juiced up. Yeah, I don't know. And also in the age of COVID, I feel like the the WFH mentality and the cooking at home has definitely led to some like pudginess across the board. Yeah, just look at me. <laughs> like, you know, when, when lockdown first uh, started here, I would go on uh, bike rides and like the, um, the Red Hook Piers and I would fucking see like people jogging and like, it's like crazy. And I'm like, aren't you like mentally disturbed by this like, global calamity we're experiencing now how do people still were had the sort of headspace and bandwidth to like <sighs> keep 
maintaining that insane bodies that they had pre-COVID. Yeah. I don't get it. Well, I was discussing this with a friend of the pod, Ika. I've had it with people's like gym vanity spirals on Instagram. Yeah, like same. the whole, you know, like complaining about gyms being closed. Like I'm going to a gym reopening protest, all that kind of nonsense. Mm-hmm. It's like, just chill out again. As my dad would say, <laughs> stop playing an idiot and go outside. You do not need a gym to be, fit or healthy or have fun go for a walk go for a run go for a bike ride there's tons of uh body weight exercise opportunities out there yeah like calisthenics street workout etc like use use it as an opportunity to learn a new physical skill you know we don't all need the deltoid machine and and also just you can also just wait it out because body image sort of standards or body standards they yeah. they vary they oscillate i'm sure in 10 years time from now like the the ideal sort of male body will have completely changed so yeah. like um i don't know also no one's having sex right now so why the hell are you working on your body like but also crazy like gym rat but again, look at me. I've hooked up with like the hottest people. No one cares. Obviously, it's easy. Yeah, exactly. It's like obviously easier if you look like some ideal. But actually, there's a lot of people that don't even want that. So, yeah, you know, I mean, I remember in my single days, if anything, I would be sort of put off by the gym rats on the apps or gay Romeo or uh, what have you. Like I've just to me, it would signal high maintenance a lot of work that has to be put into it um yeah look i'm trying to run an empire here i don't have time (laughs) 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 for one hour at the gym (laughs) yeah and also once again the grass is always fucking greener on the other side twinks will always exactly uh look up to more bulky people the gym rats like i would constantly see super skinny guys at the gym who would be apparently invisibly frustrated by not being able to gain any uh, muscle mass and the inverse also applies i feel like any person with any other sort of body type just always looks to the neighbor's grass to see what they have that they don't exactly and uh yeah this also this obsession with types and everything Look, there's hot people and gnarly people of every type. So people just need to get over types because there's like really hot twinks. There's really ugly twinks. There's really ugly, beefy guys. There's really hot, beefy guys. There's uh, also judging, judging by my browse feed on Instagram, like all the super like uh, gym rad muscle queens that I get unsolicited on the feed half of them have like faces that i would not write home about like faces for radio essentially (laughs) that's probably why they got steroids and jacked up yeah to compensate for the face yeah or other detriments (laughs) i mean a good face just does the talking and the body is sort of secondary to that so yeah so take it easy yeah luckily we have faces for podcasting exactly (laughs) on that note (laughs) um have a happy merry christmas and uh i'll see you on the other side thanks you too bye bye choose choosey